0: Going on. This is the Live Life, Progressive Show. We are the most talkiness before the show as people that you've ever met. So <laughs> right now we're about two episodes in before the episode started with our <laughs> guest. We're going to get to him in just a second, <laughs> but we had to stop everything right now because we had such a great conversation. I know you guys hear us talk about this every week that we have these great conversations before the show starts, and then you're like, "Well, damn, can we hear that?" No.
1: <laughs> because, well, I mean, you know, also you thing- and I, you and I always talk before the show, and a lot of times we talk afterwards. And most of the time, we both just get cut off. We just get dropped. We never call (laughs) each other back because we've already already talked for an hour and a half. It's like, ah, I guess that's a sign that we
0: should go on with our day. Exactly. It's just like, all right, that's enough. It's like, well, damn, we don't talk once a week. So, hey, we're good. There's certain people that talk to people every day, and they probably wish somebody would just drop that conversation. But they don't have that privilege. So we can thank Skype for that. Like, all right, get along with your day. It's free. Bye-bye. Get out of here. So anyway, yeah, I know. Well, I remember yeah, my yeah. mom.
1: My mom always, my mom always had people that called the house every day to talk to her. And I, I think never they just wanted it. to complain. Yeah, I never did either. They always wanted the. My my impression is they just wanted to complain to her because she was a good listener. But I had this right. one aunt who had this extremely <laughs> grating voice. She'd be like,
2: hello, Mike,
1: and is mommy home? You know, it was, like, it was like every day at three o'clock. You do. <laughs> And she could never tell <laughs> the difference between me and my brother. She'd always be like, hi, oh. Raja, it's my meal. And I wouldn't even bother correcting her. I'd be like, yeah, let me get her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but every day like clockwork, and she had a few people like that, maybe three or four people like that who called every single day. I was like, yeah. man, you guys are just unloading on my mom way too much. You know, go call someone right. else.
0: Yeah, I was yeah, just, but anyway, I'm I'm amazed that my wife and her parents like they can talk every day and it's not negative. It's just like I was like, wow, yeah. you know, it's yeah, I'm amazed that, like when that when people yeah. have that when they have that kind of you know connection as a family. Whereas like sure. with mine, I'm like, okay, once every two weeks is good. Like you know, like okay, <laughs> they, they, give me a, give me some time to build up and give you something. It's like, oh, what do you, you know? How are you? <laughs> Because I'm the ones like, okay, I'm I'm doing great, and um, I'm so you know close to the cuff where everything that I do. Is just like that's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> you know, I don't need to tell you everything. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Or my conversation is pretty short. I don't need to be on for two or three hours. You know, with a family member like, right. dude, I've known you all my life. What's <laughs> new? Okay, then, like we talk for <laughs> three hours. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, I grew up with you. Like, come on, man. I, how long can this conversation really go on? <laughs> before it becomes a complain fest because one's going to be complaining, one's going to be doing I'm going to probably be like pouring up some scotch you know, and putting the phone down and <laughs> coming back and you're just talking away so yeah man but anyhow, yeah, so you before back. before. No case you didn't know. Before we get to our I'm sincere Hogan. That's Mike Marlin on the line. You should know that by now after two hundred and damn near twenty episodes, you know what show it is and who these guys are. Oh, no, they no. They're,
1: uh, they're they're just waiting for us to shut up so they can hear the guests. They're like, man, we, I tune in
0: to hear a And
1: Why are you guys still talking? So we're gonna get to him in exactly. one second. I just wanted to remind everyone that I wanted to remind everyone that October is bitch tits awareness month. So if you have bitch tits or you know someone who has bitch tits, you need to do something about that. that is my pivot I'm never someone who just brings their problems without offering solutions and the solution is what you need to do is you need to clean up your diet we've had plenty of episodes on that get some training in lose some body fat and then use that coupon code LLA and go stock up on the aggressive strength testosterone booster and EC estrogen control combo and get some for yourself and get someone for anyone you know who has bitch tits you know, share love with that because again, we got being just being aware of bitched hits is not enough. We actually have to do something with it. So let's get some solutions. And that also, on.
0: that also goes for the guy that, we, that I retweeted. You know, that was reading the first page of Hillary Clinton's new book and he, it made him cry. <laughs> yeah. I need that dude to dress because I want to gift him a bottle of your testosterone booster and his EC. In fact, two <laughs> bottles of EC because dude, really. And I need you to learn how to spell heal.
1: Okay.
0: So like, well, the, now the, the first healed. the
1: first problem with that is that he's actually reading the book. If I were exactly. reading the book, like, I'd probably cry too because <laughs> I would think to myself, "Why am I reading this book? You <laughs> know, what, what 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 road did I go down that this
0: is a good decision?" <laughs> so, my, so my, first of all, the title itself explains everything. What happened? Really? Were you not there? You lost. Okay, in the book.
1: We were all there, man. We got to relive that campaign. We were exactly. all there for the two years that it went on. I mean, come on. That was a long campaign. <laughs>
0: exactly. So, yeah, man. And there so, there yeah,
1: way better things to do than that. And and one of the <laughs> things that you can do that's way better than that is check out the new Burn record. It's called Do Or yeah, Die. Yeah, man. And it's on Death Wish Records. And. Some of my favorite tracks on the album are yeah. "Ill Together," "Do or Die," I, "Flame," and my personal favorite. Can I, can I hold, on, hold on hold on before yourself, you say it? Before
2: you say
0: it, which
1: is made it. it's made for people who don't support the show. Since that's what sure Gavin, Gavin told me. Confidence.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say I'm gonna dedicate I'm gonna dedicate one song off that album to that dude and anyone else that that sits there and thinks just like him. The best track in my opinion on that album is my mantra for all of you: unfuck yourself. Okay, it's funny. as soon as I got it, man, that's the first thing I was like, okay, out of all the tracks, I'm going to listen to this one first. And I was not disappointed. In fact, I, li- I listened to it about six times before I could even start the other one. I was like, nah, man, I got to hear this one more time. I got to hear this one. I got to make sure I'm getting the lyrics here. And I'm like, okay, Shaka, you are my dog right now because you are like singing everything I've been thinking. And I appreciate that. And, and thank you guys for making that title, first of all, because I tell it to all people. like, no, you need to unfuck yourself. And the first start is to get your head out of your ass, you know. Because well, I mean, you
1: know, Gavin was inspired by people that don't support our show, and then he also caught a guy jerking off at his gym, so that inspired <laughs> the literal the literal influence of kind of unplug yourself, man. It's like do unplug yourself, tell
0: man. Him. <laughs> tell him next time use chalk. Chalk gives a much
2: better grip. <laughs>
0: Hello.
1: Yeah, I'm still here. I think we lost sincere.
2: Oh, sincere.
1: <laughs> I thought I got dropped. I was just checking my connection. I think uh, got you got dropped.
2: Did you run out of Skype moment?
1: <laughs> I, used, I actually use Google Talk because I've just found that's more consistent. I hate Skype because I've had so many problems with them.
2: I'm, I've got to really educate myself on uh, a lot of this stuff because just with interviews, I've been doing a lot of phone interviews and stuff for the record. Yeah. And uh, just like find the best way to do them. I think Google Talk is good.
1: It's completely free, right? Skype, you have to give them funds if you want to make phone calls, while Google Talk is completely free.
2: I should have done that.
0: (laughs) Okay, I need
1: Skype It all works, ultimately, but Skype's a nuisance.
0: Oh, so he got dropped?
1: Yeah. No, no, you got dropped. You got dropped. We're still here. (laughs) I thought I I got dropped. It's usually
0: (laughs) me who gets dropped every time.
2: It went silent for a second. I was like, what the hell? But even though it still shows
0: me, it still shows me on here. So I'm on here twice. So my alter ego is also on this call as well. So Skype is really screwed up. It has me on two calls right now at the same time.
2: So yes, I I dedicate unfuck
0: yourself to Skype right now. Okay.
2: (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's always a blast doing this this podcast. Um, I, you know, I like you guys are brutally fucking honest, which I think is something that, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't. Everybody's trying to please everyone, um, and uh, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, thanks for having me on.
1: Now it's great to have you on, and it's it's great to hear a new Burn record. It's you guys have been around for so long, I and mean, you came out in the 1990s. It's interesting that this is the first full LP you have ever done, though. Everything previously has has been an EP. So I'm curious, what got you guys yeah. back together? What got you guys back together? And finally put out your first full length.
2: It kinda wasn't so it wasn't so much of a what as it was a who. Sasha Jenkins, who's the editor in chief at Math Appeal magazine, is a wow. really good friend of mine in Chalkas. <laughs> and he had been kind of negotiating back and forth with us about, you know, like talking about like, hey, would you guys be interested in doing a show? And Cousin Joe from Black and Blue had both reached out to both of us. at that point I was so I was like really, really busy Working, you know, like, I'd opened up PCC. I, we were in the middle of construction. I was just kind of like, oh, God, I don't know if I can do it. Um, and then Sasha sat Chuck, and I down at a table, and we both, it was funny. We both tried to come across really, like, hard line about, like, listen, if I'm going to do it, I'm not going to be half-assed about it. Because we figured the other person would probably not see eye to eye, and we saw totally eye to eye. We, were, we didn't want to come back and be a legacy band. We didn't want to come back and be playing, living on back catalog. We both agreed right. that if we were going to do this, we had to do new material. If we had to be current, it wasn't fair to to not do that, you know, to the like to the audience, to everybody who was a fan. It, you know, it just didn't seem like it. It didn't seem honest to just come out and be like, okay, well, we're just going to live off the 17 songs that were actually in circulation at that yeah. time.
0: Um, okay. First of all, the other I said Sasha too, Jenkins, man, that- like wow, yeah, like shock- yeah, Sasha. Shaka I don't think people understand. Are- like he goes way back. If you ever seen the documentary Burn, Motherfucker Burn, yeah, that like I, I love that shit, man. And that's like I so that's a name I haven't heard since I was back in hip hop. we're talking like Ego Trip and all that. And he said Masterpiece. Yeah, so yeah. this is a dude that's been in the Sa- game for Sa- a Sa- minute.
2: Yeah, Sasha. Sa- 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 Sasha's the guy who's kind of like he's been he's been the man behind the scenes in a lot of things in like hip hop and graffiti and yep. new york hardcore yep. he's like and the thing that i like is that people are starting to see that it's not like they're starting to desegment it and it's really becoming more like we just played afropunk which to me is yep. one of the greatest street yes. street street culture festivals cuz it is just yep. straight up everything from edm to punk rock to hip hop to rock so everything it's just it's street culture and it's fucking vibrant and it's beautiful.
0: It's getting bigger every and, year I and
2: mean, I, I think that like it's Byrne leans more towards the concept of street culture than we do anything else because I mean Chalk and I met each other. We were two like graffiti writers who skateboarded and listened to hardcore. You know? And uh, you know that was that was New York street culture. And it was really, that's, that, that was where, where, where we were coming from at that time. Um, and it's so neat to like come back into it now and, and see that, I mean, those, those genres are still super vibrant. I mean, skate culture is huge. Graffiti is having this huge like blow up now. Um, there's so many new good hardcore and like just, like aggressive music bands that are going on. There's just so much cool stuff right now. It's it's just awesome to be a part of it.
0: Oh yeah, man. <clears throat> so I think that's what makes like I don't know. That's that's one of the reasons why I really like this album because it just brought back a lot of those feels like from the '90s without sounding so old school and retro like so many cats are trying to do now because there's so much in their opinion there's so much crap out there right now they feel like well you know what it needs to be like back in the day and so they try to go back and make music from back in the day and bring it up to now without modernizing it a little bit so a lot of times you can't really tell the difference if this is a new group or not or it's just like some old record that people forgot about and now somebody just happened to be playing it so they don't know how to like merge the two time periods together like that. And I think you guys did a great job of that. So uh, there's a, there are moments where I'm feeling like, okay, this reminds me of how things were like back in the 90s. At the same time, it is a lot of, it's so relevant to what's going on right now. So a lot of things like in the lyrics. You know, what Shaka's saying is like hitting right on point with the political climate that we have going on right now and just people in general, which at the same time is kind of sad because it was also like that back then. So it makes, it reminds you how far we have not come and how much work we still need to do at the same time which is cool because not there's not a lot of music out there now that's really making you have to stop and think at the same time while entertaining you And you know you can bob your head but at the same time use your head at, you know while you're listening to it so now it's kind of an either or thing people are too political and you know it's just kind of like all right there's a lot of preaching going on here and the music sucks or the music is dope and it's like and you're pretty much singing your ABCs over a dope track <laughs> really so
2: i think that's like yeah, a no, you guys
0: did a great job
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I think a lot of that, too, is like if you look at the I mean, the political leanings that we had as punk rock kids or like, I mean, like, oh, my God, like Discharge was a huge influence on us as much as, say, Public Enemy, you know, which Public Enemy, they 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 were one of those bands that were just, you know, super political, but you couldn't just sit still and listen to Public Enemy. You know, no, no. that music was definitely like that was that music was a call to arms, lacking, lacking a pun, whatever. But it was right. It was it just it resonated so deep within a lot of people. And uh, I think that's like Chaka. Chaka is a huge Discharge and Crucifix fan, as am I, which are two very political punk fans. Um, you know, as we are about, you know, just music that makes us think in general. You know, oh, yeah. I I, I I think what we need is more sol- Like I said earlier, we need more solutions.
0: Yeah, because everybody know, can find a problem. More. There's a lot of problems out there, and people yeah. are quick to put them out. But you he, but he ask okay, so what do you? Like Mike always says, so what are you doing about it? And then you—that's right. yeah. when, when—and that's when their favorite band starts up their instruments. That's when the crickets show up.
2: Come on,
0: you want to talk about the number one most selling all-time selling band in the world, <laughs> the crickets,
2: <laughs> because <laughs> they, can, yeah. they can
0: show up across every genre. Man, it's like, oh damn, it's the crickets. <laughs> like is, well, it's like, yep. it's like I always say.
1: people love getting into heated political debates until it's actually time mm-hmm. to do something, and then everyone right. shuts yeah. up real fast.
2: Well, it's slogans aren't solutions. You know, no. and that was one yeah. of the things that like when we when we started back, why we didn't want it. Like there were so many people, like you said earlier, people talking about like, oh, back in the day, back in the day. But hold it. You're missing this right now. Right. You know, in 10 years, this moment right now is back in the day. And why are you blowing it, craning your neck, looking back at a time where you possibly weren't even alive? <laughs> right. thinking That you missed them. Right.
1: Well, people say that about music, right? People say back in the day all the time about the '80s and '90s. In my opinion, there's more great music coming out now than ever. There's just so much of it that it can be somewhat time-consuming to find some of the stuff you really like. One of my hobbies is checking out new bands and listening to new music. And there's so many good records coming out all the time. It's hard to stay on on track, stay on top of everything. But there's a lot of great bands, like Nails. The last nail, the last nails record was incredible.
2: Last nails record is great. There's this uh, the one of the bands that we're going out with on this uh Comeback Kid tour, uh we're going out with uh Jesus Peace, who's amazing. Yeah, great.
1: That's another one that's really good. Brutal.
2: Um Vane, which is another good young up and coming band. Uh there's a band and this band isn't actually they aren't new. They've been around for a while. This band called Show Me the Body. We just played with them at Brooklyn Bazaar for Diablo huh. Fest. they Haven't fucking heard killed it.
1: Oh, very check cool.
2: them out. So yeah, there's so many the, good bands. It's, it's overwhelming.
1: So I'll get into a new, I'll listen to a band. record. I'll be jamming it. I'll be jamming a record for a while. And I'm like, this is really good. And then another one pops up and you forget about the last one. And that's a common experience for me that there's so much good music coming out. I also say you don't want to be that person who only listens to music that you were into when you were growing up. Now, that's how you get into an accelerated aging state. Right. I like yep. those bands too. I like the quote unquote legacy acts, but I want to see new stuff. I want to be around that new energy. I love going to see new bands where it's a really young audience because mm-hmm. I want to see what's going on out there.
2: No, I totally feel you on that. It makes total sense. And yeah, and I'm not saying like, I'm not talking like, you know, like, oh, year one policy of like, burn, you know, burn all the shipping manifests to the ground and nothing existed <laughs> before, you know, this day. That, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying. It's good to look back and admire that stuff, but to get too romantic about, you know, oh man, I wish I was at the Cro Mag's Jane Street Rock Hotel show, or I wish I was at this (laughs) show, or what? Dude, you know what? Make a good show. Book a great show. Book a show that kids are going to talk about four years from now. You know? You know, that's, I mean, all all the kids out there that don't play music, that, hey, maybe you could book a show. Oh, you, yeah, you've big, got a garage. Be a promoter. Learn the business. I've played yeah. garages. You know, it's punk rock, dude. Some of the best shows I've ever played were like in the Midwest, in someone's someone's garage, a barn, a warehouse. Right. You know? well, look at what
0: you just talked about when you just brought up Afropunk. I mean, look how, just not too long ago, you know, that was like just a Little cult thing that just a few people knew. It had a very rave mentality. You know, only a few knew about it, you know, and now look yeah. at it. It's like this big thing. In fact, it's so big now that it's not just in New York anymore. You know, now they have it in Atlanta. Oh, they have no, it in they're, London.
2: They get, they're in London. Yeah, that's huge. huge. Exactly. That's so. huge. I mean, that's one of the funny things, too, was like, because um, Ch- we played that. Chaka was in the original, in the movie. Yeah. You know, when they yeah. first put the movie, the whole festival, Chaka was in it. And if I think about, like, I think about kids who were black and into hardcore back in the day, you know, let's talk back in the 80s, you know, yeah. and, and there's there's a handful of them. Chaka was one of them. Gingy Brown from Absolution. Okay. Scotty Banks. Um, Sergio Vega from, you know, from, from the Deftones grew up in the, you know, Puerto Rican from the Bronx grew up in a, in a you know. Thick ethnic neighborhood, Zulu-born kid. Um, But it's like, and we talk about people like that, and it's one of the people that I think gets forgotten in New York hardcore. And when there's a lot of people that have been canonized, and I think it's it's, it's a shame that Charlie Hankins is not remembered as much as he should be. Because this guy was, if you ask anybody from like, you know, Jimmy from Murphy's Law to Harley to anybody who was back in the day, Charlie Hankins was a fucking legend, and he was a monster of a man. He was like six foot four, probably easily two hundred eighty-five, two hundred ninety-five pounds, all muscle, built like built like a fucking linebacker. And I'll tell you what, man, there was no safer place to be for anybody than in his orbit. You know, <laughs> he was one of the guys that was everybody's big brother in the hardcore scene. You know, and it's like. It's a shame. He passed, I think, probably about 15 years ago. Um, a garbage truck, like, hit his car. And, I mean, it's just such a, just an astronomically great guy. But I think about guys like Black Punk back in the day. And it's like, I mean, the bad brains, yeah, the bad brains, we could say they led the concession. But, I mean, there's so many of, you know, people that I think, you know, like, it's so weird just to see where you know, Afro Punk has become this huge thing. And I think it's amazing. And I look back when, like, you know, when, you know, like Chaka Chaka used to take shit for having the name Chaka growing up in the projects.
0: Come on, come on. That's called that's, no okay. okay. did those kids not didn't have T V, didn't watch like Chaka Zulu? <laughs> you know, Chaka Zulu or whatever, just like you mean know, just to associate the name God with earth. each other and they're or, or they're probably thinking, thinking Chaka
2: Chaka about land of the law. <laughs> yeah, or, or they're thinking about land of the yeah, law. You know, <laughs> that Chaka, Chaka? was raised by an extremely conscious family. His father, yeah. Bata, his father, Bata, who took the took basically constructed the art for our rec- our first EP. And a lot of people don't know this that Bata put a lot of that together for us and was very instrumental in that. Like raised Chaka around like. Just all sorts of music and all sorts of culture. And Chaka was raised on of, of, of a very high, much higher level than kids were raised back then. I remember skating with him in Queens. And these kids were like, well, what type of name is these black kids were like, what kind of name is Chaka? And he goes, it's African. African, you know, it's like right? well, even, so, people don't even know that about
0: Chaka Khan. They don't know that's not her real name. I mean, her real name is Yvette Stevens. You know, but her and her sister, yeah. and her sister's name is Takas Takaboom. You know, and they also were raised in, in that same environment. I, in fact, I think Chaka Khan's parents were actually originally Black Panthers in Chicago. You know, so and yeah. that, you know she she grew up around that consciousness. You know, and, and really learning about African culture, which you know, for there were a lot of kids during the seventies. You know, especially up north. You know who were exposed to that, but it's like the southern kids didn't understand. Like, what kind of name is that? It was an African name, and you know it's because there was just this devoid of learning about the culture just in certain parts of the country, and they probably didn't understand that then. Whereas, then the nineties, those that all changed. It's like the nineties, thanks to like a tribe called Quest, Brand Nubian, you know, groups like that, and Public Enemy, KRS absolutely- One. They brought and Rakim, you know, these guys brought that culture, you know, and and really learning about African culture. X Clan. You know, groups like that, man. And so it became this real popular theme prior to NWA. NWA kinda killed killed that, you know, know, once
2: it came out. On Spotify lately, KMD's been coming up on my playlist a lot, which is really like, I love KMD. (laughs) 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 Yeah.
0: I mean it's you know,
2: now you're known as MF Doom to a lot of people. They didn't know that.
0: You know what's funny about you know, that, that, though, talk about transcending of culture. You know, when you talk about, like, KMD, you know, people will think about KMD and think about, you know, oh, you know, it's black consciousness and this, that, and the other. You know, not knowing that one of the people really responsible for actually bringing them to the limelight was, you know, um, was, oh, my God, my mind just, like, uh, not be nice, but um MC Search. You know, MC Search for was sure. very instrumental yeah. in helping their career, you know, and Dante Ross, you know, yeah. and these guys like that, you know, and so, you know, people associate that because they think, oh, it was very really just all black, this, that, and the other. I'm like, yeah, but MC Search was kind of responsible for getting those guys out there. And MC Search was a dude that was pretty much, he wasn't a wannabe, you know, he was, but he understood the culture and he understood, like, the significance of it with, you know, within hip hop and music itself and he was oh, yeah. and he, he paid tribute to that. that's what I love about people in the UK for the longest the UK paid tribute to where a lot of those musical genres come from they understand that it's African music they understand that it's, it's Afro yeah. Q- you know Caribbean music and at the same time they don't try to just say that they invented it they pay homage to it that's the reason why you know so many of their artists tricked us in the 80s you heard them and you're like oh it's a black dude and you're like whoa George Michael's white? <laughs> You're like, whoa, boy George is white? It's just like, so, that's, but at the end of the day, when it's good music, it's just good music. It doesn't matter what the artist looks like and what they sound like. You know, so it's just like, it's just all about really understanding the music and paying tribute to it and quit trying to have just all these divisions in it, which kind of just kills me, just even with like different sections of music, like, oh, this is hardcore, this is hardcore punk, oh, this is death. This is death hardcore and they just keep adding all the labels. Yeah. One, absolutely that's not even, is that's not even the participants yeah. in the music. That is just the corporations doing that. So they can split up the money. Okay. And then they're making a division. And next thing you know, you got everybody within those genres kind of beefing with each other. Like, Oh, well, you know, you're not, you're not really hardcore. You know, this is what hardcore. What? Well, no, it's not New York hardcore. And it's like, Whoa, <laughs> man. Can we just really? So, oh, no, man. That's death core. I'm like, okay, what, what are we talking about now? <laughs> it's like, deathcore,
2: well, come don't, on. I don't, I don't, I don't, well, I don't the, the only the really. reason
1: I like all
0: these genre labels is that
1: it helps me find, if I find one band, like, well, there's a band called Slaughter to Prevail, right? They're considered deathcore, and I like them. So when I found them, I want to hear other bands like that, and then I find Die as Murder and Fit for an Autopsy and so forth, and these are other great bands. But when people start taking one genre and saying, oh, deathcore is better than hardcore. It's like, no, hardcore is better than metal. That starts getting really silly. Yeah.
2: That's extremely silly. It's, I mean, it's all good. It's, you know, it's like, I don't, I, like I, like I said earlier, you can't judge music. You know, it's just, it prevents you from finding stuff that you like. And, uh, it's yeah i'm i'm just well, well that's what that, that reminds me of the saying when they
1: go oh what's your what's your guilty pleasure when it comes to music i go right like i don't i don't have duran <laughs> yeah. duran in my playlist that's not a guilty pleasure where i'm ashamed of it <laughs> you know i like that music too. <laughs> it's like if i didn't like it i wouldn't download it so if i like it i like it it's something to be ashamed of like i guess Absolutely. I was like oh, that song doesn't come so up when i'm
2: driving <laughs> it's somebody, it's somebody. Oh, absolutely, I totally agree it, with that. It, it, um,
0: it's, it's not like it's pig porn or some something, something like that. It's like, okay, okay, dude, if, you're into, yeah. if you're into that, you should be guilty, okay? Yeah, that's that's yeah, exactly,
1: exactly.
2: Getting well, that, into some that, perverted that territory, you should be trying, right? exactly. Um, that like yeah, I said, like, that or that is some like music or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're into some white power music, then you should definitely feel guilty yeah. about that.
2: Yeah, well, I've had people, I've, I mean, I you people telling me, like, oh, but the music's really good. I'm like, yeah, but the guy's singing racist shit over the top of it. it, it right. It's not story. I don't, yeah. care. I don't care if it's fucking Vivaldi, if fucking he's screaming, you know, hate, hate speech over it, it's not good music. That's right. my only caveat like, you can you can't judge music, and even then, you know what? There's idiots out there that love that music. Right. You know, um, it's just it's, it's and yeah, that's 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 a, that's a really like you know that was like for a long time in New York you had people that were like oh well you know I like Screwdriver but just the music and I'm like I didn't agree with that at all, <laughs> you know, right. and to me Screwdriver was just bad country, and I grew up on country. <laughs> I mean, I actually like country. I mean, my first live show ever was Waylon Jennings. So it's kind of like, you know, good country. don't say the screwdriver is like country. You know?
0: <laughs> That's disrespectful. Don't do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so how, how has the reception been with the new Burn record? I know you guys are touring a lot. How's all that going? Um,
2: we've, been, we've been playing a lot. Uh, we're getting ready to go out on this tour right now with Comeback Kid and Jesus Peace. We're really excited about it. The reception for the record's been great. Um, we're getting—I mean, I'm getting a lot of hits on Facebook. Like kids are just emailing me directly, being, you know, grateful about the record. And it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's weird because it's—I mean, putting out putting out the record was really scary because we did, uh, you know, we uh, we did the recording process, which was. We, Yeah, uh, you there? Yeah,
0: My iPhone train just passed by. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. We did the we did the recording process with Kurt Ballou at God City, and the whole time, like I was really psyched about this stuff. And you get into it, and you are kind of like, but what if it's just you that's psyched about it? It's really kind of <laughs> scary because you are <laughs> sitting there yeah. like, well, what if you are the only person who likes these songs? <laughs> um, yeah, but you know it's. It's been really gratifying to like you know to get the response that we've gotten on this record, and uh, you know we've had like so much help from the Deathwish team. Like Jake Bannon has been just no end of help. Like he's been a sounding board for me throughout the whole process. Uh, Trey McCarthy, who also owns a label, has been a lot of help, and just their whole team there. They're a machine. They know they know what they're doing. And it's good to have them on, you know, um, on our side, so to speak.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great bands on that record label. I know <laughs> Harm's Way. I think Harm's Way is signing with Metal Blade, but they were on Death Wish for a while. I, yep. And I know Kurt, your producer, worked with the guys from Nails. He's worked with so many great bands producing their records.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, Kurt. Kurt. Kurt's what I would... Um, I used this term in a previous interview. He's an earth shaker. He's changed the paradigm of heavy music. He's worked with bands like High on Fire. He's worked with, you know, obviously done the Converge recordings. He's right. done so much amazing stuff that he has, you know, he himself has changed the paradigm of of, of heavy music. And he's such a humble nice, open-minded cat, too.
0: Right. Yeah, this is... I think people will sleep on just pretty much how this album was put together. When the names that are behind it, like say you're talking about Kurt, and then there's like Harry Weinberg as well. When people start talking about mastering, I mean, you're talking about Pete, you know a vast variety that he's mastered from Slayer, and you guys have brought um, We're talking about Public Enemy. You know, so that's two different things going yeah, on right I mean, there. So that goes to show that the, the vast... Variety of his genius to do that, you know?
2: Yeah, it was, um, yeah, we really, like, we wanted to make sure that this was the best representation we could put forth of what Byrne is now. And I think we kind of nailed it. Um, you know, and it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, it was, Chaka and I go back and forth on a lot of things. You know, we're, we're very much like siblings. You know, to where we argue and we bicker, and we we've we've come to the understanding that that's what this relationship is. You know, we're not going to see eye to eye on everything, but when it comes down to it, he's on my team, and I know that. You know. We both want the same thing. That's that missing element. We
0: want That's that missing element. So many great bands right there because a lot of times their ego's getting away. It's like my way or the highway or you don't know what you're talking about or you know, it's time to move on to something different when the other one's not ready to move on because they feel like what they've been doing has been successful. It's like, Well, dude, we gotta grow. Then, you know, that then we sold out or all this other stuff and they let the then they let the bickering keep going on and on and on and then next thing you know, it's just just no end to it. And even when the other band members try to step in it becomes like this crappy divorce. It's like, well, you need to choose a side. Are you down with me or are you down with him? And, you know, so then they break up. <laughs> and then nobody wins, including the ones that yeah. lose the most are the fans, the fans. And then it's kind of like you kind of said, screw them. And then later on when you want to get back together, you know, the fans kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, they're over you at that point. Because you know they've been asking, oh, sure. asking, if you just work your differences out, and you ignore them. These are the people that actually help make you. And you you say screw them. It's all about my ego. And then by the time you guys put down, you know your differences, because you, probably because you're broke and you need to go on tour and make some money. And you want to get back together, and those fans are like, nah, I'm 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 older now. I'm, I'm over it, dude. There's there's other stuff out there now. So much far better stuff now and that's been going on since you've been absent. So don't, don't come back to me now. And then now they're all bitter once again, like, well, screw the fans, but now they're, now they got something they can agree on. Cause now they're all pissed off at the fans as a group. You know, not just pissed off each other anymore. So it, it's just a never ending thing that happens just across so many genres, man. And people suffer the most, like I said, of the fans throughout the entire process. When people can't put their egos down and understand, like, dude, like you said, your siblings is like, you're not going to agree on everything, but God, I hope not. Because how are you going to progress as a band if you just, Yes, each other all the time. Like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool.
2: No, you're absolutely right. And it's like, we, you know, I'm glad that we have the maturity at this point to understand that. It's like, we, you know, we both want the same thing. We're both looking to make this as successful as possible. And, uh, you know, because that's the the long and the short of it is that this is like anything else, this is a business. And. Without, you know, without the proper funding, this business doesn't work. This business can't tour. This business can't, you know, put out more records, so on and so forth. So we have to do, there's a lot of work that, I mean, this, as much as I love doing the interviews and the podcast, there are black, but this is work that needs to be done because we're trying to expand, you know, we, it's, it's so funny how I find it. It's like the same as the fitness industry is that we, you know, we want the music listeners. But we also want the people that have never heard us before. You know, just like us, like, you know, we, we know as coaches, we know it's like, we love it when an athlete comes in that we can work with, that we know this person can, you know, is capable of certain things. But we also want to reach out to that person who just got off the couch. You know, that just doesn't know anything about the fitness industry or doesn't know anything about physical culture and wants to take part in that. And that's how I feel about like, Especially with the hardcore scene, if it's to survive, it needs to expand. You know? And we talked about this previously with, like, you know, the breakdowns of subgenres of music. That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, are we getting more awesome shows? Are we getting to right. go out and yeah. see these events that fucking, you know, make us fucking love this music the way that we do?
1: Well, I think there needs to be more crossover shows. I remember when I went to shows in the 90s, you would see Chrome Eggs with Destruction. You would see Agnostic Front with Obituary. You have these different genres of heavy music all touring together where you get exposed to stuff. Because I was more of a metal guy before I... Then I would go to shows and see Stick of It All opening up for a metal band. I'm like, oh, those guys are cool. Let me check them out. So I think that kind of cross-pollination works really well as opposed to you just take... Four hardcore bands who all have the same fan base and they go on tour. Well,
0: I mean, you're going to get that fan base, but it's not going to be
1: an expanded base.
0: I think in order for those genres, those different genres who are together to grow, they need to cross-pollinate. It's the only way because you need to expose people to, you know, what else is out there. If everyone's just stuck in their same little lane the entire time, you know, it's just kind of like, well, How much further are you going to keep going down that lane after a while? You're going to get bored with it. You know, that, that pretty yeah. much explains just, it, with a lot of different things, you know. So oh, yeah. whether it's, you know, whether it's just your hobbies, whether it's your political choices or whatever else, it's like it's hard to get a different perspective when everybody's doing the same thing. So right. and so therefore, when a, when a different thing pops up, of course, you're going to be resistant to it because you don't know any better because you've been choosing to do the same thing the whole time. So someone who listens to hardcore hip hop all the time, they're not gonna be happy when someone comes with some club record. It's like, oh, here you go with that BS again. I'm like, dude, you see the chicks on the floor? They don't do that to the music you you dance to, so I, <laughs> that you listen to. Yeah. I'm 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 going with this one right here for right now. Okay, how about that? <laughs> First of all, there aren't any there aren't any chicks on the floor. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so that's I'm a, like that's there's a difference. <laughs> so there's but, the difference. But, so I, th- I think these stacked bills really work a lot, and I've seen that with a lot of different bands, where you see Code Orange opening up for the Deftones. That's great for Code Orange. And yeah. on paper, it seems as if the people who like Deftones won't like Code Orange, but that's not really not the, that's really not the case, and it's worked well for them.
2: No, that's not true. That's not true. At all. We played we did a bunch of shows with the Deftones, and people yeah. were like, a lot of people were like, "Well, that really makes sense." I mean, we've also been friends with those guys sure. for a long time. We yep. played we played these shows with them, and their audience was they loved us. Exactly. You know, but just Tom's like uh, Hatebreed. H-
1: Hatebreed opened up for Slayer, and Slayer's audience is notorious for hating opening up bands. But I've been to a lot of Slayer shows recently, and a lot of people really get into the opening up band. Lamb of God opened up for Slayer out here recently, and that went over great. Hatebreed had a whole new audience as a result of opening up for Slayer. They got Hatebreed. I mean, Hatebreed was the absorb-
2: Hatebreed was the first band to ever be able to open up for Slayer. They oh, yeah. were the first band yeah. to successfully do it, and you know, hats off Great. to Jamie and those guys. They worked their asses off, though, and it's not like they were. Gi- I mean, they were given anything. You know, Hatebreed been out on the road touring, doing you know, doing their business for a long time. Right. And uh, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, even in, I, in like, uh, 2000,
0: in 2001, dude, I was in Toronto, of all places. I was at this club they had called Government back then. And Government was mostly known for playing what's now known as EDM, but back then it was more electronic music and house music or whatever else. But I went there to see Godsmack, and who opened up for God. First of all, that's already crossing genres anyway, you know, because the, the user audience there is there for electronic music. But a lot of them were there, and they yeah. went and checked out Godsmack. But in Head opened up for them, and that's when I first discovered Mushroomhead. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, you I know, mean, I'm kind of looking like, whoa. I was like, I say, like, okay, it kind of reminds me of Slipknot, Mudvayne, but okay. <laughs> but the fact that these guys were opening up for Godsmack at the time, and you know, even then, for on on a wide scale, Godsmack was still kind of new to everyone. Like in 2001, I think they yeah. probably had like one, probably one major album out at that time you know, on a major label, you know, so, yeah. <clears throat> you know, that like I say, you're crossing genres and guess what? No one in there, were, they weren't tripping. They were digging these dudes, you know, and these dudes perform. I mean, they were putting this high energy, but you're you with God smack. You got, you got to come with your energy game with those guys, man. So, you know, and those guys put, yeah. it, you know, they put yeah. it down. And, and and I probably would have never even thought twice about these dudes had I not seen them live. In fact, I started telling them, some of my friends who were really into, like, heavy, heavy, dark stuff, I was like, hey, man, so you guys chicken out mushroom heads? And they were like, really? Okay, I saw them, but, you know, and then they started like, oh, okay, look, they're actually pretty dope. So, you know, and of course, everybody's still gonna have their opinions or whatever else, you know, about you know, certain groups. And they're just like, ah, those guys are just fakers. They're just like this, that, and the other. But I'm just like, nah, but have you seen them live? A lot of times, when you see a band live, it can totally change your opinion. Sometimes for the best and sometimes for yeah. the worst, <laughs> you know, so there's, there's certain groups I've, you know, I heard, especially being in the industry, working these labels like, oh, uh, OK, here's their album, blah, blah, blah. But then I see them perform like, whoa, OK, change my opinion of them. I don't like these dudes. Like a lot of times just to see the work ethics people put on stage, when you put in your energy, man, to put on a good live show, you got to give them respect. Man. you yep. got to give folks respect. But that's where the real bread and butter is as an artist to me. It's really – a lot of times it's a lot easier to go into a studio and do something, but Pro Tools can save your ass in a studio. But Pro Tools can't save your ass on stage, (laughs) okay, because one of two things are going to happen. You're going to lip sync or you're going to have to actually come through and perform. And that's where the real bread and butter is, you know, when you're an artist, in my opinion.
2: (laughs) Truth. Absolute truth, you know. And that's the thing. It's like you can do an amazing record in a studio – but you have to be able to, to deliver it live, you know, and that's really fucking important. And that's I mean, people Like, oh, ooh, ah, oh, just, you're just going to screw that. Just say, fuck that note, right? You're just not going to try to
0: hit that note today, are you? <laughs> or there are certain songs we you know they have like a certain high note, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to hear you try that live. Then I will be impressed. And then they mm-hmm. cheat, if they can't hit the note, what they'll do, they'll take the mic and they'll point that toward the audience and let the audience sing that note for. Them. I was like, yeah. I oh, like, yeah. unlike the audience, unlike the audience, I know why you did that because you can't hit that note live, buddy. Nice try, though. <laughs> way to try yeah. to cheat your way through that. <laughs> yeah,
2: you'll see, you see that a lot within like you know, live performances. They they play more on the emotional end of it than they do on uh you know like. What they can get away with,
0: yeah, exactly. But
2: uh, yeah, I mean, and we've been playing. You know, we, we had a European tour kind of fall apart on us. Uh, it was partially our own fault because we had we had booked the tour, but the record got pushed back. So we were like, "Well, we you know we could get out there and we can still hit the tour." And we tried to tried to put the pieces together, and it didn't. It, at the end of the day, quite honestly, the tour looked would have been it would have been a band killer, um, mm. just because there was too many holes in the tour. We couldn't get this. I mean, especially this summer because there's so many bands over over in Europe because of the, you know it's the festival season. Yeah, right. So, um, so it was. We were coming out of Barcelona with five days down, and I was. You know, we've got two new members in the band, Tyler and Abbas, and I'm. A big fan of keeping you know, keeping our, our our team happy and that's anybody who's been on tour knows that that can be a morale breaker. So we ended up can, having to cancel the tour um, but there's a festival over there called Fluff Fest that, that we played and they basically, they reached out to our European manager and they were like, listen what if we were to pay for all the expenses for Byrne to come over pay for the hotels, take care of them so on and so forth and we had the best experience with those guys. Um, it's it's kind of funny. It was like a little bit more. It was a it was a dirtier Afro punk. Um, it was like a very crusty Afro punk. There was a lot of um, a lot of political stuff going on, which was really cool. A lot of viewpoints. Um, hyper hyper vegan. Um, very educated, but really, I mean, I met some great people over there the people who put the festival on themselves are just really amazing. And they've been doing it for, I think, about 18 years now. Mm. You know, they know what they're doing. Um, mm. So we went over, we did that. We've done a bunch of shows in the area. We've got a couple of more regional shows that we're doing right before we go out on this tour. Um, and uh, like I said, the record's doing really well. Uh, I have no complaints. Um, you know, right now it's a lot of it's a lot of running around and making sure that we have, you know, everything ready for being, you know, going out on tour. I, you know, I have PCC. I have this gym that I own that I've gotten this place to the basically it's it's running to the point where if I was to get hit by a car this afternoon and die, this place would run perfectly well without <laughs> it's funny Which you're saying that as there's
0: a siren in the background. So I sounds like don't predict your, your
2: own demise here, man. Okay,
0: don't don't pull Tupac um, on us, man. All right, because I'm looking like okay, you might want bad choice of words right now with that siren in the background. I was like, wait a minute, somebody. I was not think
2: the scenario, um, but it's, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, the coaches that we have here, um, they've all worked with me for a long time. Uh, I'm really happy with our coaching staff. I'm really happy with our membership base. The people we have here are super cool. Um, right now, there isn't a fucking thing in my life that sucks. You know? It's all, I mean, it's all, everything's, I mean, like I said, in our conversation earlier, you know, I don't have time for any negative stuff because everything right now is really good. You know? And it's not like every day is roses. Work comes every day. You know, and that's part that's part of the progress. You know, but the whole thing is just to get through the work. Do the work that needs to be done to be able to have that success.
0: Right, it's a big thing doing the work right there.
1: Yep. Now, here's my thing with bands touring is there's so many, like I said there's a lot of good music coming out now, but there's there's even more bands touring now since that's where you make your bread and butter. So, I think the challenge I see with a lot of bands is how do you get the audience to come to your show when there's so many other shows that are going on? I find that as a concert goer myself, that's a challenge in Vegas. Sometimes pick there's the multiple summer. shows on the same night. Yeah, sometimes exactly. on the same night you have to pick. It's like, oh man, I like two of my favorite bands are playing on the same night. Now I have to figure out which one I want to go to. And then also there's budgetary reasons too. You want to go to every single show that comes. You're going to be blowing a lot of money. So you have, a lot of people have to pick and choose which ones they want to go to. So I think the challenge is, you come out with a record. It's great, but how do you hold people's interest with that record? Because there's so many other great records coming out that it's easy to just get lost in the shuffle,
0: or choose the right tour okay. that's going to make the most sense for you. At the same time, you know where you're not losing time and money. And same time, you, you know, like, okay, this is going to be where the audience is going to be instead of going here. So like making that decision as well. Because, like, like Michael saying, especially, yeah, cause you just said it's, 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 festival season. So you're in Europe and you got like all these different festivals in six different countries but on the same weekend. You know, which one that makes the most sense for you as well, you know, as a, as a band?
2: Absolutely. Um, and that's, I mean, that can be, I mean, it's the booking, the book, the booking, you know, Politics are exactly that. They're politics. Um, it's weird. Uh, in Europe, you, you're you less likely to get uh, booking agents to reach across the aisles to other booking agents to, like, develop shows, which I kind of see as... Uh, it doesn't seem to be smart business to me. I think the states, the booking agents, are much more willing to work together to make good shows. And I think there's a little better communication between them. Um... So that doesn't happen, so it's not like, you know, like, you're not going to have, uh, let's say, you know, Agnostic Front is, you know, playing the same night as Sick of It All right across town, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, that communication between the booking agents is super, super important. Um, and that to be said, I mean, it's like, there's, there's a lot that goes into, you know, booking tours. It's not just, like, people think like, oh, well, the band books all their own shows. Some bands do. A lot of bands don't. Right now, I mean, our, this this uh, this tour is, you know, we booked it through an agent, James Vitalo, at Good Fight. He handles, you know, he handles Comeback Kid, and it was through my, my suggestion that we put Jesus Piece on. Um, so that's kind of how a lot of that business is done. There is, there are a lot of bands that do it independently without booking agents. Um, Seeing as I have two to three other businesses that I run, I don't have the time to be able to book all the burn shows that we need to do. So we need to bring someone in to work on our team to be able to do that. Um, so, and that you know, with that, there needs to be a certain amount of communication between our booking agent and other booking agents, so you don't end up, like you said, with these like you know, oh wow, I've got three shows in one night in one in one town. What do you know? What am I going to go to? Or you know, and a lot of times, what happens is you know, some you know someone someone loses out. So we try to you know everybody tries to make it so like we're not we're not all ending up in the same town at the same night.
0: Or you don't necessarily know about every promoter in another country, and you end up making the wrong choice because you see something that you think may be the better deal, but you didn't do your research. And you end up going with this mm-hmm. guy who pretty much has a bad reputation with everyone else over in Europe. And next thing you know, you're blackballed in Europe because you associated yourself with this guy because you didn't know any better. You Because know, you're over here, you know any yeah, better, that, whereas not, you not, go that, through a booking agency – and he knows, better. you know, an agent knows better, like, nah, you guys don't want to do, you don't want to deal with this guy. He's burned so many people, No pun intended, <laughs> you know, so he's messed with so many people that, you know, you, you give it that guy, you're going to get blacklisted. So I think what a lot of bands need to understand is a band is a business and you need to run it like a business, which means sometimes in a business, you know, it really helps to delegate to those who pretty much know a certain thing way better than you. But at the same time, keep your eye on it. Oh, you know, no one's saying just go be blind about it. Like, all right, just handle that. Just like a lot of these artists just like have these guys handling their money. And next thing you know, they're bankrupt. And they don't understand why when they've been on tour for the last 10 years. And they've, they've sold out these concerts and made millions, but they don't see any of it. So there's the difference. So you keep your eye on them and have just enough knowledge to know when someone is actually really doing their job. When they report back to you, you understand what they're talking about. But at the same time, delegate that gig to them because that's what they do. If he's a booking agent, let him book. You know, instead of trying to do all those different things. And just like you saying, you got three or four businesses going. It's really hard to sit there and research every city which makes the best, I you know, the, the most, the best idea as far as put a tour together in the yep. U.S., you know, and which festivals are here and who's the promoter here and all that. That's time consuming. Take somebody that's promoted stuff. You know, take somebody that's been a touring DJ. It's like, dude. You gotta sit there and check out everybody. Okay. Is this dude good about paying you? Is this, you know, who is he burning as far as their money? You know, and are dudes looking for this dude right now to get their paycheck? You know, I've had to do that even just with the labels I work for. You know, you know, who's in charge of this department? Who's in charge of the urban department? Oh, I know his reputation. Well, that dude is bad about paying people. And I've heard dudes that's like try to hem him up at a, at a conference because they didn't get their paycheck. You know, so you have to do all that stop. work, man. So. Delegate that stuff to the person that knows best. And
2: one of the cool things about it now is that a lot of the kids, that the people that are working for the booking agencies, come from the music scene. Like, they're from the music scene. So they have a love for this music. And, uh, you know, it's it's good because it's more of a for-us, by-us situation, which I think is really important. We need to have that kind of nepotism, you know, of, like, someone who comes from... The like the punk rock and the hardcore scene or the metal scene that understands, you know, the ethos. Well, it's good to see them going behind. back to that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're getting back to that because for a while the trend, especially toward the end of the '90s and the early 2000s, was to you know get these kids who are fresh out of college with this business degree to come and run this 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 department in the music, you know, at, at the label or at the agency or whatever else, and they had no idea about that. Specific genre or the music in general, they just knew how to do it from a business standpoint. So I think there is,
2: yes, yeah, it, it does have, have to be at a point where you have that balance.
0: Yeah. You know, where you know the money, yeah. but you also know the music at the same time. Because it's, you know, for a long time it was the other way around. They came from the industry, they were a part of the scene, but they had no business sense whatsoever, and they were running a lot of these artists and these labels into the ground. And, you know, losing a lot of freaking money making bad choices because they were putting money in things that they really liked and only understood. So I think it's good to see a balance come into that. And I think everybody's kind of learned the hard way in the last 20 years, you know, 10 years one way, 10 years the other way. And it's like, you know what? Neither one of those things work independently of each other. So let's bring it together. So now you get a lot of these kids who are actually coming from that and they have run some businesses and they understand. But they also come from the scene. So I think it's really helping. I'm glad that trend is happening now. Through multiple. Yeah, genres. well,
2: I mean, the thing is, you think about the people a lot, especially in the hardcore scene, because it was, you know, if you think about, let's take like Stormy Shepherd who books, she books Sick of It All, and she books, um... oh god, what, how am I forgetting their name? They're a huge band. They were on Epitaph. Uh, I mean, they're they're monstrous, and I'm to- uh, totally forgetting their name. But she's been a ghost, booking ghost, agent for Ghost, in, ghost Inside. No, no, these they're they're these guys are these guys are stadium big. Um Oh,
1: really? Oh, but they that? come
2: oh. they come uh guys, Todd from H2O plays guitar for them now. Um
1: Oh, oh, I know who you're talking about. I know you're talking about. Uh, the, uh, the offspring.
2: The offspring, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, but yeah. She's yeah. Stormy Shepherd Stormy Shepherd has booked has been booking punk rock bands since the late 80s. Okay, um, Tim Bohrer, who is another super successful booking agent, um, he's been booking since the early 90s. Uh, Matt Pike, who books, you know, books Converge, he books, uh, American Nightmare. These, these are all people that have grown through the hardcore scene into the positions that they are now. So it's kind of interesting to see that, like, you know, Within the hardcore scene, we have people now that have kind of risen to that corporate level, and it's—I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. I don't think it's anything to be, you know, like, oh, these people—they're—they're not—they're not one of us now. No, they are very much one of us, and it makes our whole foundation that much stronger. You know, I mean, um, it's so
0: different. Yeah, it's so different when you bring up, you know, Sasha Jenkins and, you know, at the same time, you know, Sasha's very much underground hip hop, you know, back in the day. I mean, you talk, like Ego Trip magazine, you know, things like that. But, you know, and all that and um, fast forward, this dude has like major like documentaries on Showtime, <laughs> you know, and just yeah. fast forward through that. So, you know, you can't say he's sold out. It's like, no, he's actually helping bring this this, also- this genre and this thing to a broader audience. Because, you know, it's funny, I posted, um, you know, that documentary, Burn, Motherfucker Burn. And I posted that one day and everybody's like, whoa, where, where, where was this on? You know, I was like, it's actually on Showtime right now. And there was quite a few people like, dude, I didn't, I would have never thought that Showtime would show a documentary like this. And talking about just like, you know, the early 90s and the post Rodney King stuff that was going on or whatever else. But, you know, most people think that would be on like BET or something like that. (laughs) So, I'm like, no, man, people slept on this documentary.
2: Sasha's (laughs) Sasha's another earth shaker, man. That's the thing. And there's also the, I think one thing that, I mean, this is a, this is a very much, a hip hop and hardcore thing is that motherfuckers mm-hmm. hate on success.
0: Oh yeah, you know? of course, because it? Uh, that's that's music in general. Is like cause everybody wants it to be underground so they can say it's theirs. You know, but then, like, Mike always talks about, you know, when you're trying to keep it underground, you know, a lot of these bands break up because they go broke because these same underground hardcore fans of theirs, you know, the all 30 of them, you know, or whatever, that was there from the very beginning, you know, they weren't doing anything to support that band. They weren't buying anything. They weren't buying merchandise because, oh, why should I have to buy a shirt when I was there from the very beginning? Or I already have one shirt. Why didn't you buy a new one? You know, (laughs) it's just like, really? Come on, man. But then as soon as they get, you know, commercial, it's like, oh, they sold out. No, they're eating. They're eating. <laughs> it's like, come on. You, know, you want them to starve to death? Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's
2: my whole point. To like, we need to. Uh, you know, I think we need to expand the, like the hardcore scene. And I'm not talking about like, oh, selling hardcore out. I'm talking. There's people out there that got into hardcore and got into underground music for the, the, the you know, the same reasons we did because it resonated with us. It spoke to us. It stops us from fucking killing ourselves practically, you know, right. and there's a lot of people out there that need this, you know, so at
0: some point you do grow up, too. So there's, guess what? That's also going to ch- your, your views on certain things are going to change and hopefully mature as well. So when you kind of you want an outlet to bring that maturity out there because you kind of want to hope that your audience matures, too. And at the same time, even if you get a new audience to expose them to that. He's like, oh, so that's what's going on, you know, over there. Oh, that's way different than what I'm experiencing here around my young friends or whatever else, you know, huh? So it starts to open their mind and create a dialogue and a conversation, you know, while at the same time you've been entertained. So you, you, want that. You want it. Cause that's Again, there's a cross. Colonization going on right there. You don't want to just, again, stay in that same lane forever. Like Mike always talks about, nothing's worse than going to see like a band that you loved as a kid and you go see them again and then you look in the audience, it's the same old ass people that were there when they were young ass people (laughs) with this band. It's kind of like, that's not very, it's not inspiring, man. You're sitting around, there's somebody that's like 60 years old with with a tank top on and bitch tits hanging out and he's all drunk off beer and it just reeks. And you know he's throwing up the, you know, the devil horns and like yeah that's how it was back in the day. like okay <laughs> is this what I have to look forward to twenty years from now okay I'm good I'm no there's no energy no now. I
2: totally <laughs> feel you I totally feel you on that and it's you know it's like I, again this I mean I have a tendency to rei- reiterate things but like I've said this a dozen times try to stay away from people that are in, that are totally content with going to sleep the same version of themselves that they were when they woke up. Right. You know? You know, I try to be around people that are constantly trying to improve themselves. And I'm not talking like, you know, Tony Robbins, like, you know, like, you know, you can make millions of dollars. Like, you know, just try to expand your horizons a micron each day. Try to learn something new. Try to introduce yourself to someone you never met before. Try to broaden your scope on things. Um, you
0: no, know, even I mean, if you do Tony Robbins, you know, do, go to the other part of Tony Robbins. When he tells you to stop telling yourself that same bullshit story, you know, every day, and think that that's that's yeah. what life is about. So if you're gonna if you're gonna use him, go go with that, okay? Instead of walking on coal. Yeah, <laughs> so,
2: like,
0: getting, <laughs> you know, <getting> absolutely. <laughs> so, so yeah, man.
2: You know, like so that. it's you know, and that's I mean, like I said I, again, like I said earlier, I'm on the backside of the bell curve in life. You know, I'm 49 years old. <laughs> If I make a good go of it, I might have another 40 years, you know, left on two feet. Uh, but, you know, it's like I want to make the most of everything that I've got. You know, I want, you know, I want to have optimal things. I want to have optimal people around me. I want to have people that are looking to do great things that are going to inspire me to do great things. You know, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's just kind versa. of how I get down.
0: Yeah, I think people sleeping, man. I don't think people realize just how fragile this whole life stuff is, man. Just like, it can go in a heart, like a heartbeat, you know, and it takes someone, it takes being around a loss to make you aware of that, you know, for, but the problem is they're aware of it for about five minutes, you know, at that moment. Like, you know, you lose someone. It's like, Oh, man. Then it makes you start thinking about all the things you haven't done that you said you were going to do. And a lot of those things you could do. You just, you, you let another, bullshit version of life get in the way of that and and tell yourself that you can't do that and then he's like you know i'm gonna do it and then you get back into that comfortable routine you know after you leave the funeral or whatever else come monday morning you know you're going back to that old life again and it's so easy because it's there it's already set there's no challenge there's no risk there's no fear you know which it should be because next thing you know you've lost another 40 years and what did you get out of that so that's the thing you should be fearing right there Well, it's it's easy to get stuck. It's easy to get
1: stuck in life. And we've talked about some of the people I know in Las Vegas where I know a guy who worked as a food server at Caesars Palace Buffet since he was 21. He did it for 20 years. And he was making such good money there that you got stuck. I mean, he didn't enjoy the job. He said it was like Groundhog's Day. Every day is exactly the same. You know exactly what you're going to get into Generally, right. jobs like that don't pay well in most places. You don't get stuck because the pay sucks. It's hard to get stuck in the job when the pay sucks because you're thinking, I need to get paid that's more. True. So that's, right. a, that's an underlying motivator. But when you're getting paid six figures to be a blackjack dealer or a valet person or a food server, not, there's nothing wrong with any of these jobs. I'm not demeaning them in any way. But they're not jobs that most people enjoy. You know, Most people are, don't have a yeah. passion to do any three things. right. And if you're not getting paid well, you're probably not going to get stuck. But if you get paid six figures and above, especially at a very young yeah. age, yeah. When a food server's making it what an IT
0: guy there, makes, just kind of like, and you didn't have to go to go to college for six years or whatever to learn that, it's like, hmm. Well, that's <laughs> oh, what would happen. Kind of-
1: is people would drop. People would drop out of college. People would go to college while doing these jobs, and then they're going, "Well, shit, why am I even going to college? I'm making 150,000 <laughs> right. at a blackjack dealer, a baccarat yeah. dealer, but they don't they yeah. don't think the long run of Do you want to do this? for the next 20, 30 years. You don't have to do it for the next 20, 30 years, but you need to have some other skill sets if you're gonna get into something else. Right.
2: No, but even, there's always
1: resistance to change though, even a positive change, right? You move from one house to another, you gotta pack up all this shit and get rid of it. There's resistance. There's always this little voice in your head going, well, why even bother moving? Just stay put, (laughs) right? So we always have this resistance to change. You wanna get stronger in the gym. And people, you, you tell someone about your goals, like, yeah, my goal is to deadlift six plates. They're like, why? Well, you know, why, why do you want, you want to do that? Do that? <laughs> and know, then you start getting a little down in your mind. You know what? I am getting a little older. Maybe I shouldn't put myself through this, this grind. Well, I'm not anymore. a power lifter. I mean, why make? am I acting like one? <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the whole point is, I mean, I like having goals and I like achieving goals because that's very empowering. And I also want to, I don't want to be that person where, let's say someone hears one of my goals and then they run into me a couple of years later. Like, Hey, whatever happened with that goal you were working on? I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm not really into that anymore. I don't do that anymore. I want to be that person who's like, yeah, I crushed that goal a while back. I'm working on another one now.
2: Yeah. Yep. That's kind of, I mean, I'm kind of the same way about stuff. Like, you know, i you know, I just, I kind of look at things and I'm like, okay, I've got X amount. Like I said, I've got X amount of time. I've got some things that I really want to accomplish. Um, artistically, personally, there's things that I really want to do. Um, right. And I yeah. and I think they're capable. Here's the other thing too, guys. You know, and I'm glad I'm speaking with you guys because you guys don't fall for this fall for this age bullshit. But people, like you said earlier, oh, well, you're too old. Why do you? Too old is such a fucking cop out, man. Such right. a fucking cop out. You, right. you know what? I'm 49 fucking years old. I've got an opportunity right now to do something that not a lot of people get a chance to do, and it's really awesome. I'm going to take every advantage, every chance I can. You know, i take, You know, I'm lucky. I've got my health. You know, which is something that I hold very dear. It's like you know, I really, you know, it's 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 kind of the hub of everything else in my life. Um, not fitness, but my health overall. Like you know, am I sleeping well? Am I eating well? You know, it's not even so, you know, how much I'm deadlifting and so on and so forth. That stuff is secondary, you know. Um, Right, right. But it all hubs out of that. And that's where it comes to the point of, like, what I talk about physical culture, um, where, you know, we've all made this such an important part of our life that everything, all of our successes kind of stem from that. And, I mean, that's one of the things that I, you know, That I'm grateful to, like, you know, getting into this through competitive fighting, you know, getting into, like, strength training, so on and so forth. Just, you know, it just opened up such a huge world, and there's always things that I can learn, and there's always things that I can, you know, I can do better. Like, little hacks that, you know, to use a real super trendy word, I guess, that would be the word. Little hacks that I can do to, like, kind of, like, optimize stuff, which... That's what I want to do. You know, I want to. I want to optimize as long as I can. I want to continue to get better.
0: You know, I don't think with age, there's there's always opposite. There's always the opposite of getting better. so That's what people need to think about my Every action has yeah, an opposite
1: reaction. If you're not focused on getting better, you're getting worse, right? Because maintenance exactly. is an yeah. illusion. There is no maintenance. But a,
0: but the
1: whole thing with age is that a lot of people can't <laughs> wait to get old so they can just use that as an excuse. They're like, well, ah, oh, you know, trying. I'm in my 50s now. They can now. stop trying. They can say, yeah, I missed that boat. I don't have to train hard anymore because I'm old now. I'm married, so who am I looking good for? <laughs> it's part of the reason why a lot of marriages – implode is because people have that mentality they they, they, they forget for it, what they well they forget what they were attracted to each other for when they first met each other they're trying to actually right. impress each other they're trying to look good for each other they've been together with a while now 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 the girl has a mickey mouse t-shirt on it with food stains and the guy's walking around in his boxers his gut hanging over you <laughs> know watching four hours of tv every day they're
0: going huh there's roommates. No, they don't now, even know. No, no. Anymore. What's sad? What's sad? They don't even notice that they're wearing those things anymore. They've they've they become like <laughs> like non-existent in their world because they're so used to seeing it that instead of just sitting there like, why the hell are you wearing your boxers at twelve o'clock in the afternoon and on your off day <laughs> and your gut thing? And I was like, well, because I'm at home. Like, you don't want to go walk and try to get that gut above that waistline. <laughs> I don't know. Why are you still wearing that Mickey Mouse shirt from 1953 from the Mickey Mouse Club?
1: <laughs> well it's like a, it's like I was telling someone at I was telling someone at the dog park but she was talking about you know how do you get people motivated to lose weight and do this I go look if they if they need motivation they don't care because why why do you need motivation Why, is, why does a man need why does a man need motivation to be strong and fit that's something you should inherently want as a man and then she's like well I think everyone wants it they just don't want to put in the work I go that means they don't want it you got it all back don't want it
0: <laughs> Come on. If, if, well, first if, if of all they it, like, you, you got to put it in the work does she have kids Somebody ask a kid when a kid wants something. Somebody they put in the work to want it. Okay, they'll they'll scream, they'll oh, cry, yeah, they'll beg, they'll keep asking. When a kid wants something, they want it. Even your dog. When your dog wants something, I mean, it's even worse for them because most of them they, most of them don't even understand the words we're saying. So all they know is like, I want that ball. I don't care what you say. So either you're gonna have to hide it from me, or I'm gonna get it. So what makes us any different? So oh, you're you come up with these excuses, and you made a decision to not want it. You don't need motivation. You just need to stop being lazy. Or you actually need to actually pick something that you give a damn about. Because trust me, what, well, that, what's what your motivation take, for you breathing every day? No one's motivated to breathe every day, okay? It's something you look forward to doing. That's something that you want to do. But but I'll tell you, <laughs> so,
1: I don't like being around people who don't have strong motivation for whatever they're trying to achieve, because I feel like that stuff's contagious, all right? I don't oh, want to yeah. be around it. because. Hey, I, it, lowers, it lowers your it lowers your vibration. When I'm around people that are just talking about how life sucks and oh, they have no ambitions vampires, and man. stuff like that, I'm like, I don't need to be around. like, why are you around me? Because I'm the antithesis of that. I don't want <laughs> right. to catch. I don't want to catch what you have. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, absolutely. absolutely, I totally agree with that. And the problem is, like you said, like you know, the guys walk around and his – In in his boxer shorts, gut hanging over. That's becoming an accepted norm. Oh well, well, guess
0: what? Mainstream is making it the norm because look at look at TV for the most part. Now you got all these overweight dudes who look like straight up slobs with the hot chick on almost every TV show.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) you know. And so now these guys in real life think that that's real life. I'm like, dude, not to my. Rarely is that going to be the case. Eventually, she's going to be like, dude, do you not even care about yourself as much as I do to take care of yourself? She's going to get tired. She's gonna get tired because like Mike said, it's contagious because she doesn't want to catch what you're catching, you know, what you have. You know, she doesn't want to be just sitting there being a slob or whatever else. So it's like and so that's why she has it with Pablo. That's and Sometimes goes, the, case. Pablo the other is case is the <laughs>
1: other case is you have a woman in your life who goes, You know what, why are you going to the gym so much anymore? You know, you don't need to work out so hard anymore. You're you're too into fitness well, okay. and you need to loosen up a little bit. You have that's that kind of negativity is, as well. That, you have you have be, this on both sides.
0: Well, that right there could be a, you know, one issue is that, well, she wants to control your time and wants you there at their beck and call whenever they need you. Or they're afraid that you're trying to get, why are you trying to get fined for someone else? You know, they think, they feel threatened. They feel like you're trying to put yourself out on the market or something like that. Those are two possible options with it. So it's totally different than the do just rather like, uh, ah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, and she's like, no, you're not. You know, because if they truly care about you, they want you to take care of yourself. So that makes you have the question, It's like, well, first of all, you don't want me going to the gym to get fit, or don't you want someone that's physically strong and able, you know, to actually thrive and be here, you know, in your life? No, you I know, mean, a lot, a lot of
1: people know. don't, which is why obesity <laughs> is such an as an epidemic proportions. It's it's clear that they don't want that. And like what Gavin said is, it's socially acceptable now to be. 30, I mean, if if someone's fifty pounds over, if someone was thirty pounds overweight when I was growing up, that was considered obese. Like, right? wow, that guy's fat as fuck. That's normal now, though. Now you have a guy who's 30 pounds overweight saying, man, look at all these fat people around. And he's referring to people that are 100 pounds overweight. <laughs> and he's 30 pounds overweight, yeah. but that's, he doesn't think he's fat anymore because that's that goal post moving. Is 100 pounds overweight. <laughs> on,
0: yeah. They keep moving that goal post, but no one's running after it. <laughs> so in that situation. Well, even
1: clothes, right? Clothes now. When I was 18, I wore, what did I, when I, when I was, when I was now, now extra large, is really tight right yeah right? like large actually actually, no 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 now large oh. is really loose no. like i got it all backwards so you yeah, put yeah. on a large t-shirt it's 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 not the same
0: thing as large nah. 20 years ago. like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there looking at the sleeve yeah. i'm looking at the armpits of the sleeve hanging down when you put on a large i'm like really like <laughs> like come on man and the jeans no, i'm way bigger
1: jeans. now i wear large now when i used to wear extra large when i was smaller 20 right. years ago, where I'm going with this? All the clothing, but, but
0: the expanding. thing is, but the problem <laughs> is, it's the, and where it's coming from. You know, who who developed that? It's like it's not consistent anymore. You know, like you you go one place and that large is like fitting like a medium. and then you go another place, you put on a large. Okay, you just start looking. Now you got to look at the countries where you're getting the shirt from to kind of give you an idea of how oh, it's yeah. gonna fit. <laughs> you know, and the jeans as well. It's like, come on, dude. Who's
2: like okay? this uh, you're in the European large size.
0: Yeah, well, have you been to Europe? <laughs>
2: it's kind of like, it's yeah.
0: like, yeah, you're, your 34 waist is not the same as our 34 waist, buddy. Like, <laughs> about, this, is a, this is a 34 in women for some of these guys. I'm like, come on, man. Like, no grown man should be wearing a size 27 waist in jeans if you especially <laughs> if you're over over the age of 25. Okay. When that's the average like come on if that's the average size that's terrible. Come on man. Well you, even on, size spots, 34 it's spot, is not the man. same as 34
1: no. it used to be. Even that is no, different. No. Yeah. You take a yeah, you right. take a pair of jeans that are size 34 from 1989. That's going to be a lot smaller than a size 34 now. But how can how can it be a 34 when it's so much bigger? Because exactly. <laughs> what happened? 34 inches is <laughs> still 34 inches. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's, that's what cracks me up. They're like, well, we're going to call this 34, but it's actually 38 because that's exactly. what the average 34 guy is now. Well, He's 38.
0: well, the problem is like, well, that 34, if it actually made it to his waist, it would be 34. But the problem is, you got to get over his thighs and his ass. Yes. And that's the problem. So that's why. So the thirty-four is right. It's that inseam that has an issue, man. So, oh man. So yeah, it's just. it's just it's just a lowering of
1: the standards categorically across the board. let's just lower standards.
2: It is. a lowering of standards across the board. We're fed, you know, and it's it's what we always say. We're fed a bullshit diet, you know. We're told, you know, we're get, we're given the wrong directions. The problem is that the human body doesn't come with a manual, and most people can't read anyways now. So um, it's you know it's they're 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 taking advice from people like your Doctor Oz's and so on and so forth, and you know the more and like I say the more and more they're getting bad information. After a while, they don't have anybody to trust. And they just get it. Well, I mean, as, as bad as that
1: information is, it's a step up from what most people do. That's the real sad thing about it.
0: Yeah, because most people, a lot of them are not even <laughs> seeking information. They just feel like, you know what, there's just so much stuff out there, you know, I'll just figure it out. Nope, nope, don't do that. That's like me. Well, a lot, like, a lot, of, people oh, a, a lot of people have a <laughs> fatalistic attitude as well. I remember
1: I was on a plane ride to New York to teach a course, and I was sitting next to this guy, and, nice enough guy, but we are talking about nutrition and all that, and he was telling me his health issues. like, I got high cholesterol, I got high blood pressure. I was like, well, what's your diet like? And, of course, it's bacon and pork and this. And I was like, well, you need to cut that stuff out. You need to add this in. And he's just shaking his head the whole time I'm saying stuff. He's like, no, nah, I, I, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. He's like, oh, you know what? It's, it's just hereditary. I don't really believe it's my diet. It's just, it's just okay. my genetic card. And, <laughs> um, and they, But that was, his way, that was his way of not having to change behavior, though, which is what a lot of people do is like, look, I enjoy this, and I don't – and there's negative consequences. They want to pretend they yeah. care about the negative consequences. Clearly, this guy doesn't because he's, he's yeah. aware of them. But he doesn't want to believe it's from his actions. He wants to no, believe that it's, it's like it's the from joke, some ephemeral thing where it's outside of his control. And then that allows him to just keep going down this road.
0: It's like the old joke. Come like, on. You know, obesity runs in my family. Like, No, nobody runs in your family. Okay. A bad diet runs in your family. It's been passed <laughs> down from one
1: generation to the next. You know?
0: Exactly. Tomorrow I'm just <laughs> like big bone eating, like, you and know.
1: lack of exercise has been passed down. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tomorrow I'm just big bone. Like no, you're just big on eating things that has bones in them. Okay, <laughs> that's what that is, man. Like don't don't sit there and blend it on anatomy. You know, like in natural genetics, like nah, bro, it's like you have big choices. <laughs> you make very big choices, and most of them are not in, working in your favor. Just own your stuff, man. Or like I said,
1: I just don't like when people pretend to care. Like, if You want to be overweight and that's your thing, fine. But don't tell me that you care about being strong and fit when you're not doing anything. About I
0: think, it. but you know, I think you know, that's the thing about getting older and knowing who you are. I'm not even at that point where I, I don't even like it anymore. It's like, I don't even care. Because I'm like, if they don't care, I don't care. So, so, yeah, oh, yeah, of, course. Care. of course. Of so, course. That's what i talking way about. So, like, when he started asking, like, well, when he started talking about, well, I don't want to do blah, blah, okay, good, don't. And then he looked at <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: laughs> exactly. like, Because that's to do. I'm
0: like, I don't care. And he's like, well, why you like, why would you say that? I was like, why would you say that? I'm just going. Well, well, what's funny is damn- when you talk about what you do, and someone's
1: like, "Well, I don't, you know, I wouldn't want to do that." It's like, "Well, no one asked you, I didn't you ask that you. shit. <laughs> I didn't bring it up because I'm trying to motivate you to do what I'm doing. I'm just telling you what you I'm know? doing because someone else asked, or like and someone you know, joins. Like, remember I was talking to this lady at the park, right? And she's a vegan. I'm a vegan, so we we're so, were so we're talking about the vegan diet. we were having this nice little conversation, and this third party guy jumps in uninvited. He goes, "Oh, I couldn't eat like that." It's like, "Well, no one fucking asked you." Obviously- man. <laughs> you know, and no one asks, and no one cares. We're having a conversation about something of common interest of ours. Yeah. So see your way out of it. Exactly. <laughs> you know? have to interject. Is I couldn't do that. Who gives a fuck whether you can or not? <laughs> you know, so you're not that. You're, you're definitely not important in this conversation. You're not important. Period. But <laughs> well, you're not important
0: in this conversation. Yeah, somebody, hey man, this ain't American Idol where you can just dial in your vote, bro. Nobody asked for you. Okay, he's like, stay out of this. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gavin, we better
1: we better wrap we, we better wrap up with you, buddy. You're getting a lot of phone calls over there, so we don't exactly.
2: want we don't want to <laughs> yeah. You. Uh, it's, getting, it's getting near uh, business time here at PCC, so sounds good. Um, well, hey man, anything anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Um, well, like I said, we've got this uh, we've got this tour coming up. Uh, it starts on the sixth in Seattle with Comeback Kid and uh, Jesus Peace. And they, uh, and they which, both have new uh,
1: music out. That's great. The new comeback kid yeah, record's great. Jesus Piece Reckon has Reckon's new. Yeah, as that's really
2: shit.
1: good. That's a great tour.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, and like I said, get out there. Like, listen to what you know. All three of us have said Yeah, Get out there. Find some new music. Try to find something once a week. Something you haven't heard before. Something that you're like. Something that resonates. And don't don't just look in one music genre. Take a chance. Right. Doesn't matter. If you Listen to something you don't really care for. You can move on from there. Um, as always, the offer stands. If you're ever in New York and you're in Bushwick, swing by PCC. We're at 857 uh, Broadway, second floor, right upstairs from uh, Brooklyn made motorcycle shops. Uh, and uh, just swing by and say hello. Uh, other than that, you know, any, any questions you have, you can reach out to me at gvvstrong Strong at Instagram or at Gavin Van Vlack on Facebook. Any questions regarding, regarding Burn? We're at Burn New York hard, Hardcore. That's Burn, N-Y-H-C, at Instagram.
0: Get the album. Awesome, do or die. Get it. Get it. Get it, folks.
2: Yep. You won't yeah, be the new you. album Pickle is great. It's, it's on Death Wish Records.
0: You, yeah, you can get
1: it on iTunes, yeah, Apple Music. Check out a few songs on YouTube. Get a flavor for it, and then go
0: buy it. Hey, man, do like the yeah, song the says. Un- the song un- song unfuck song yourself and get the album. <laughs> you
2: know, and support, support new music. Support live artists.
0: Nope, man. Cool, brother. Awesome. Always great having you talk,
1: you, Always a pleasure. Right. And we'll talk to you soon.
2: I'll talk to you soon, guys. Right. Take care. Take it easy. Peace.
1: Well, again, folks, I just want to remind everyone that October is Bitch Tits Awareness Month. So get some aggressive strength. Get some easy. Get some for yourself. And get someone for... Anyone else you know, usually people who have bitch tits have friends who are bitch tits. So share share the benefits. It's contagious.
0: It's contagious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something about all the extra estrogen in the air, man. It's just like you just take it right into your pores. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 stop so thinking
1: it's that. It's, stop thinking, it's like, well, let me hold on to these because maybe I can be a donor at some point. It's like, no, no, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs>
2: you know, it doesn't you know, work you know. that way. It's a
1: nice thought. But it doesn't work that way. <laughs> not healthy. I know a lot of guys have Hooters now, but that doesn't mean that it should be socially acceptable or considered healthy or normal. It isn't. So Do something about it. Optimize your hormonal profile because when you optimize your hormones, you're going to be shocked how many other things you want to optimize. You're going to start thinking, okay, let me take charge of the other factors in my life. There's no way you can be hormonally optimal and live a mediocre life where you just subsist doing crap you don't want to do. It, It changes everything. So get that hormone optimization lecture series on my website. It's been around for a long time, but it's del- definitely well worth it. Irrelevant. Use that coupon code LLA, get okay. 10% off everything at MikeMoller.com. And how about with you, man?
0: And, and also dot com. same stuff, man. Use that coupon code. Most importantly, you know, start transitioning over to that Patreon page, Patreon.com slash podcast. Start making that transition, man, and, um, you know, start checking out those premium episodes because, you know, soon – that will be pretty much your only option each month. You know, probably with the exception of maybe one other than that. But yeah, but here's the deal. It's not just BS. It's, it's well worth it. You can ask any one of our previous, our premium subscribers now. They love it. In yeah. fact, you know, during that whole little storm situation or whatever, and we had to take like a couple of weeks off because of that, you know, they were like, Hey man, don't leave us like that again. You know, <laughs> we need to hear you guys. So, you know, join them as well, man. Just hop over there, patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Starts off, five bucks, you know, at the very bottom level. Five bucks. Come on. $1. twenty-five a week. Really? Really? Got an issue with that? But you, you're a long time fan of the show. You love the information. You love what we talk about. You love the guests that we bring on. Show it. Prove it. <coughs> Head over there. Let us know yeah, if that it, you're a true fan of the show. Worth,
1: if, it's worth, if it's worth listening to for free, it's worth paying five dollars for. Otherwise it's if it's not worth paying five dollars for, believe me, it's not worth listening to for free either. <laughs> right.
0: So, well, there's a lot of things for free that I have no interest in. You know, Yeah. No. You can get gonorrhea for free. I'm good though. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and pass on that. <laughs> so on that note, folks, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Take care.